Welcome to another edition of the Neat Humans podcast, and this week I get to chat with an old friend of mine, somebody who was one of my first initial uh, ideas for a guest on the podcast. Um, he was somebody who, for some different reasons, wasn't able to be on it for, for a while, but about a year and a half after I initially asked him to do it, he, he finally agreed. So um, I'm finally able to chat with Tim Getting, somebody who uh, I go back about 15 years with to our time in college together at uh, UNI. So finally, we were able to have the stars align and, and chat over FaceTime for a little bit. Um, Tim's led just a really interesting life, and anybody that uh, is listening that knew him from from college or post college uh, just kind of knows his his character. He's a, he's a really, I mean, on the surface, a very silly, goofy guy, but um, very heartfelt and and a deep thinker. When you get to know him a little bit better, um, and he's somebody who's just really had. I always say that he just has a very charmed life. He just finds himself in a lot of really interesting and unique situations, which we go into in the podcast a little bit, either. Um, with with you know an internship in Los Angeles, um, you know meeting meeting a former president, and um, just uh, the, some of the jobs that he's worked. Uh, he's had an interesting career path where he worked on cops um, is is a big thing that we talk about and and something that I think most people would find interesting about him. So um, we have a lot of a lot of stories to discuss along the way. I try to cut out a little bit of the chit chat that we have just because I don't want it to be too much of just two old buddies reminiscing because that gets old in podcast form pretty quick. So um, without further ado, um, here's Tim Getting. Well, Tim, I do appreciate you joining me. You are, I mean, you, you're, you've lived such an intriguing life that I've enjoyed kind of watching from up close and from a distance that you are one of the original uh, kind of brainchilds for this podcast. And so um, I'm glad we can finally have this conversation and I can get to the, get to the core of you a little bit more. Well, thanks for having me, O-Dog. I first met you when you were like maybe 20 or so, you know, kind of mid-college, but like was, was Tim in like middle school and high school? I know you were an athlete, like you came to UNI to play football. Did you have a dramatic personality shift from your younger years to adulthood or do you feel like you've always been kind of the same, same personality, same type of guy even back then? Yeah, I think I've been kind of the same type of person. Just, I guess the big shift is like I grew up just 100% for sure. I'm going to be a professional athlete. Like, I just had, you know, whatever sport I wanted to pick, you know, and I was like, sports were my life. And I still do enjoy sports, you know, now, but there definitely is a shift. It's not, you know, my entire life. You were just on the football team for a year, you and I, right? Yeah, a year, and then I started, like, I had intentions to try another year, and then um, we started our conditioning, you know, our winter condi- or, uh, conditioning time, and get up, you know, super early in the morning, have to go to the dome, and just run stairs, and like, sprints and stuff, and I'm like, I'm good, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, great, you know great mentality to be an athlete right just I, I i guess there was maybe a laziness factor in there too and then i got kind of sick uh and um i just was in like my dorm room for like three straight days pretty sick i watched the entire lord of the rings uh, extended version um all the dvds of that and then i'm like after that i didn't go i didn't come back i just i told the coach thanks but you know this is really isn't my my thing but I appreciate the the opportunity because I was just a I was just a walk on too. I wasn't getting money. I was a preferred walk on, which meant 
you know, I could go to camp and stuff and do all the things the scholarship players did, but I wasn't getting any financial assistance through football. Is that, is that hard? Um, I mean, I've, you know, everybody's had to, you know, quit certain things, whether it's a job or, you know, uh, something, a club that they're in, but, um, having to like remove yourself from a college football team, was that, was that a challenge or like, did the coaches give any pushback or try to convince you to stay? Um, I, it's weird. I really don't remember like that moment. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess there probably wasn't much. I mean, I was like one of like six quarterbacks on the team. And so like they had, you know, they didn't need me to be around. And I fully realized that. And I don't think there really was much pushback. Um, but yeah, I think... I think they understood and it really wasn't that huge of a deal for for anyone and I mean myself like I there was a little stress involved I guess you know if anything just yeah stepping into like the coach's office and telling them that but uh it's not something that's really stuck with me or like left me scarred or whatever so I I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal was a career in media, was that something that you always wanted to pursue? I mean, it sounds like you got involved with that pretty quick. Yeah, I think so. Just because of the sports connection, honestly, going into school, I'm like, well, you know, I can have your, your traditional, um, you know, I, I play, play sports for a few years. And then once, you know, my body starts breaking down, I can, I can be a sports announcer. I can be, you know, like a per, an on-camera personality. Like, you know, I can be Reggie Miller, but, uh, that obviously wasn't the case, but I still like, I got to school and I joined like the electronic media program at uh, Northern Iowa and I really liked everything. The only thing I really didn't like was being on camera. I loved everything behind the camera and all the other things that go, that go into production. So I stuck with it and yeah, and then pursued that after college as well. Well, while you were at UNI, uh, you, you kind of got yourself into this uh, Entertainment Tonight internship out in Los Angeles. Um, t- tell us about the steps that got you to that ET internship. Yeah, so another, I guess, sports connection there. Um, uh, Mark Steinus, he was a former uh, UNI football player, but he pursued a career um, in, uh, I guess, being an on-camera personality. And he made his way all the way up to being a co-host of Entertainment Tonight. Um, but he kept in touch with the school and he started this internship program where he'd have um, like three people out every summer and they could hang out um, at the CBS lot where they shot Entertainment Tonight and meet, meet the people and just kind of, um, his goal was just to kind of tear the, um, or, you know, wipe away all the glitz and glamour that you think the entertainment industry is and what Hollywood is and just show it for what the business that it is and what it really is, you know, down at its core. Um, so that was very eye-opening and I'm very appreciative for it. He put us up in like a place to like live. I was there with a couple of, uh, for, you know, fellow you and I, um, peeps and, uh, had, some pretty random uh, celebrity run-ins, and I got to do you know some cool projects and learned a ton. But I guess the one, the one 
celebrity encounter that stuck with me the most, and I probably the one that you would appreciate the most too, Owen, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but um, I was, I got to go to the MTV uh, Movie Awards, and I got to walk like the red carpet and everything, and got to go to the after party, and um, after party, you know, everybody's just, you know, dressed up very fashionably, and you know, I'm I'm in my Midwestern fashion, but you know, I'm, I'm looking okay. Did you have a bolo tie on? No, my bolo phase was later. This was just, you know, your typical, like just button up shirt and some nice khaki pants kind of thing amidst all these, yeah, like, you know, very fashionable Hollywood people. I'm sure I stood out, but anyway, um, who also stood out was a guy I saw from like across the party who was wearing just a tall white tee and some basketball shorts, but I knew who he was right away. And I was just like tractor beam immediately drawn to him. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. It was Ron Artest, um, who I think he was playing for the Rockets at the time, but it was like the summer before he like actually went to the Lakers. So he must, maybe he was in town for like talks or something. I don't know. But um, you know, it was pre meta world peace. Um, I went over and, uh, just, I'm like, I have to say, hi, introduce myself to him. And man, he greeted me like we were long lost friends. Like, I don't know if he thought I was somebody else or like, you know, if he was misrecognizing me, but he's like, he greeted me like we were long lost buds and, um, was asking me all these questions and, um, like, it was a great conversation, and then at the end, he asked me, so are you drinking tonight? I said, well, yeah, I've had a couple of drinks, and then he leans in, and he says, you know you can get drunk if you want to, and I'm like, thanks, Ron. <laughs> so Ron Artest gave me permission to get drunk at the MTV Movie Award after party. That was my... That's probably my favorite story from that summer. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm glossing over anything or, or forgetting a step along the way, but um, after school, I feel like your next big career step came, came uh, in, involving an, an ex-president. Um, I don't know if this is correct. Sure but, did. Um, Can we tag team this story? I don't know if we've ever, like, at least not recently, because I've told this story a lot, but I want to... I want to tag team this story with you because you're you're a huge part of it. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I'm like I've I've told this story so many times that I'm like I'm curious to hear your <laughs> retelling of it too right. to see if we have if we line up on this. So you, okay, you kind of I'll, get... I'll start and then I'll then you jump in when you feel it's appropriate. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So this was like um, right after I graduated at U and I. And I was working, we were working together at the cable access channel doing high school sports show and arts and entertainment shows. And so um, I was getting to a point where I was like 25 or whatever time you uh, can't be on your parents' insurance anymore. So I'm like, I need like a real full-time job with benefits. And um, by that time you were working at channel seven kwwl so i'm like i need to talk to owen like he can give me some good insights on how to like land a job and in, in that world because i wouldn't mind doing like you know uh tv news stuff i've definitely have had some you know uh amateur experience with it and working in, at the cable access channel and uh 
or governmental access, sorry, governmental access channel. Um, so yeah, I met you at Pablo's. And then what happened after that, Owen? So yeah, we, that, that's exactly, I mean, you're, you're right on track as far as what I remember was that, um, I mean, we were, we were good friends at the time, so it's not like this was a strange hangout or something, because I feel like we yeah. saw each other a lot, but I, I don't think I was at Channel 15 anymore. I think I was strictly at Channel 7, working full-time there. Um, and so, yeah, we just met up there to, um, you know, just talk about career stuff, um, either trying to help you get in at Channel 7 or, you know, figure out what, what the next steps would be in your career. And so um, I feel like even earlier that day, I mean, I knew about this going on because I worked at Channel 7. And so Barack Obama was in town. Um, this was probably 2000. It probably was 2012, actually, yeah. like the yeah. spring that or summer right. or so of 2012. And so he was kind of on the re-election campaign. And so he'd been in Waterloo and Cedar Rapids and Cedar Falls for a day or so already. And I think I'd even gone and like, um, you know, gone to the airport in Cedar Rapids and like filmed Air Force One flying in and stuff. So like, okay. I kind of knew he was in town. And so we were at Pablo's and, and I think kind of our first thing was that like, we saw the streets kind of like, clearing off and like some guys in like sunglasses and black suits like coming into different restaurants and stores and like kind of checking things out and making sure like the coast was clear right yeah so i i didn't have any of that context so yeah mine was like those guys look like they're like secret service that's weird and then yeah then we started piecing things together i think you filled me in on what was going on and then it didn't take long for us to get curious enough to walk outside and then we finally somebody did somebody t tell us like oh yeah you know president obama's in town and he's going to stop at uh this bar across across the way and just have a few drinks with the patrons in there and then be on his way so um we had to like go like go around like the block to get to that other side of the street because they were checking anybody who was like on that side of the street on that block they had to check like look through your bags and stuff or like wand you down to make sure you know you didn't have anything you weren't supposed to have so i remember doing that and then getting and just sitting outside i forget what the what the bar is i think it was i think it was pump house pump house um, yeah and I think, I don't remember the part about getting wanded down, but I remember, I think it was Natalie Brown, um, the owner of Scratch, who was the one that we went and talked to, I, I think at least. Um, just because I knew her because I'd already worked at Scratch a little bit. So that's at least what my, what my memory holds is that Natalie was the one that we went over and we were like, is Obama here? And she was like, yeah, he's, he's inside a pump house right now. Yeah. Yeah, so the... Um... And the big, his big, like, you know, travel bus was, was out there. So, and then there was a crowd forming outside and lo and behold, he comes outside and he starts, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, all of that. But what I, from my perspective, what I remember is it was kind of eerie because it was just like people getting their pictures with them and shaking their hands. But it was there's like an eerie silence to it all. Like nobody was like really talking to him. They were just like shaking his hands and like taking pictures with him and saying like hi. And I'm like, well, here's my opportunity. I'm just gonna like talk to the president like nobody else is really. Like I don't care as much about a picture or like shaking his hand, but just like talking to him. So yeah, 
Uh, what do you remember from that point? Well, I, I think I kind of remember you you kind of saying to me, like, you, you had a camera on you. I forget what kind, if it was just your cell phone or what kind yeah, of camera it was. Yeah, it's a but... primitive camera phone. <laughs> and so you kind of said to me, okay, start rolling, and I'm, I'm going to ask him, like, for some career advice and see if he says anything, something like that. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's obviously was on the top of my mind, like, getting a job. So uh, I said, Mr., you know, Mr. President, I'm looking for a job. Do you have any job searching advice? And then he started talking to me. He's like, he was asking me, like, well, what are you looking to get into? And I said, well, maybe TV news or something. And he said, well, is there a, a station here in town? I'm like, yeah, there's KWWL. He's like, well, have you gone in and talked to him? And I said, no, I haven't gone in and talked to him. Like, is that something I should do? Because I, you know, I just, like sent emails or like a resume or whatever. And he's like, yeah, always go in person. Just even if it's you tell him like, um, I want to do an internship, even if it's not paid, just something to get your foot in the door and to show like that you, you know what you're doing, you know, more or less. So I'm like, okay, great. Thank you. And like, thanks for the advice. And then, yeah, you were filming the whole thing. And then I put it on. Uh, YouTube and I added some subtitles because it was like a primitive you know like cell phone video it's hard to understand and then yeah, yeah uh, the next day uh, you pulled some strings and you got the video to him I, I guess I really haven't heard what you all had what you all did after that so the the next more you know I was still working the morning shift there like as a photog and so me and um, Nikki Newborough Rasmussen, you know, my reporter for the mornings at Channel 7, um, we were driving down together to Cedar Rapids for her to do a live shot because he was staying there and he was going to be flying out that day. So we had some stories going on that day. And so as we were driving down there, you know, 3.30 in the morning or whatever it was, I was like, oh, you know, it was weird. Like my, my friend yesterday, like we actually got a chance to like, you know, kind of meet Obama quickly. And I kind of told her this story and she's like, what? And so she was able to um, pull up... I, I I thought this might have been like before smartphones, but I think she had a smartphone, so she was able to pull it up on her phone and actually like look it up on YouTube and watch it. And so I think she like called the station and was like, "Hey, we've got to get this, you know, because you name dropped KWWL." Um, she was like, "We've got to get this on the air and show it." Um, and so I think that she, you know, maybe did it as kind of a vosot or part of her vosot, you know, for the live shot that morning or something that she introduced it and we showed it on the air and then. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I think that you came into the station like that day. I mean, I think it kind of got some play because it was like everybody in the area kind of like heard about this, you know, guy who name dropped KWWL to the president and all this stuff. And so I think that you kind of maybe to a little bit of fanfare came into the station that day to try to talk to our boss. Yeah. So I remember you, you told me like, hey, they're covering this. You should watch the news. So I turned it on and yeah, there was the story. And then right after it, um, the anchor was like, man, I mean, after that, we pretty much have to hire this guy. So I'm like, excellent. So I got my resume and my reel together and I got it, you know, just how I wanted it. And then I just showed up and just, you know, the stars aligned, like the news director, like, like a minute or so after I walked in and was sitting in the lobby, like passed by and recognized me. And, and, um, they sent, they like, gave me a little tour through the newsroom. I gave them like my reel and my resume. And then I got like an interview literally the next day and got hired right there. So within like 48 hours of all that happening, I had uh, a full-time job offer at KWWL as a video editor. So it, yeah, it's like the story that 
if when I'm interviewing for a job, I always find a way to talk about that because it's just the you know it's a way to get somebody to remember you. It's a very unique story, and my favorite thing that when I tell a story to people, my favorite line to end it with is me when I told my my dad all about this because you know my dad he's definitely not somebody who voted for Barack Obama ever. Um, so it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty sick burn on his end, but it was, it was funny. It was still funny to me. Um, he, he said something to the extent of, well, Obama can say he at least created one job while he was in office. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think that was, that was the perfect line after Good that was dad. just like, well, well, with whatever you want to say about Obama, at least he's, uh, he's created one job in Waterloo. Um, and I, I mean, it is, I even look back and, you know, when I look at your career path, it is just so strange that one just kind of weird little encounter on the street in Cedar Falls, like, you know, kind of set a guy like you on a career path like that. Because, I mean, realistically, I mean, you may have been able to get a job at Channel 7 eventually, like we could have, you know, worked something out that you could have gotten there eventually. But it's like that, you know, was your absolute foot in the door that got you there right away. Oh, and yeah. Kind of set you on a career trajectory. I would say a lot of jobs, they're rarely, I mean, and I get it, you're rarely like probably hiring the absolute best person for that job. It's just kind of, can you get lucky in some ways? Will they remember you? And, you know, timing is a huge thing too. And it just all the stars kind of align for that, for that to happen. So it was, it was pretty cool. I tell that story quite a bit and it never gets old. Yeah, honestly, I, t- I probably don't tell it quite as much as you do, but I do tell it a lot, and it, it, it's true. It's a, it's a crowd pleaser. Um, I, I want to stop at this point and just ask, like, if you, I mean, between, like, the Obama story and the uh, Ron Artest story and some of these, like, just strange encounters that you've had in your life, like, do you, like, recognize kind of that this is, I don't know, like, something unique to you? I mean, just because I feel like you have somewhat of a charmed life in a way where it's like you kind of fall into these like strange encounters that like not everybody gets. Yeah, I guess it's strange and I don't know if it's anything on my part that I'm I'm doing to like, you know, line myself up for these I don't know, I can't put my finger on it. It's um I guess I'm a person who I ve- I uh have an appreciation for ridiculousness and I try and uh embrace embrace it and just roll with you know, punches and things that are presented to me. And I think sometimes I can, yeah, like I can think on my toes and react to things or just take advantage of different opportunities in maybe unique ways. I I would say I'm a fairly creative person. That's like everything I've do in my life. I feel like I, the biggest passion I have is just creating stuff, whether it even just be like cooking my dinner at night. It's like, it's when I'm when I'm making things or creating things, I'm kind of in my element. So, yeah, I don't I don't know um, why all this happened or how it all happened, but I'm definitely appreciative of it and uh, you know try and take full advantage of opportunities that that present themselves. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so you worked at Channel Seven for a few years, I think, and then made your way out to Portland for a TV station out there. Uh, what made you decide to kind of leave the Midwest and, uh, you know, try something else out? Yeah, so I was dating um, my now wife, Amanda, and things were getting pretty pretty serious, you, you could say. And 
um, we just, she wanted to get out of the Midwest. Um, I was maybe like, uh, okay, I, I kind of want to get out of Iowa maybe, but she's like, let's move to a coast while we, you know, don't have anything tying us down. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board with that. I just, I prefer the West coast over the East coast. And she's like, okay, I don't like being hot. So I'm like, all right, Pacific Northwest it is. And so we visited Seattle, Portland, and Eugene. And Portland was more our our style, our pace. So we both just quit our jobs and moved out. I mean, we it wasn't just on a whim kind of thing. We we worked, we made sure we had enough money to survive without jobs for at least a few months. And then, um, yeah, we just picked up and left and uh, drove out to Portland and... <laughs> toured an apartment like the day we got there and we're like yeah this place will do and moved in right then and there and then uh, we were lucky enough to both get jobs like within a month of of being there so I ended up kind of like my um, job at at KWWL in in Waterloo I um, started out as a video editor um, and then I eventually went a, a videographer position came open or news photographer as they call it and the biz uh, came open I I applied to that and and got that job so yeah I did that for for a few years and loved Portland Um, I know it's a very kind of buzzworthy divisive place these days but honestly like you can avoid a lot of that stuff um, living there Um, the biggest thing to me was the accessibility to some amazing nature you're you're like a little over an hour from the coast you're 30 minutes away from like the most beautiful river gorge you'll ever see you're by mount hood this amazing mountain there's high desert in central oregon it's just a very dynamic place and a lot of great places to eat a lot of a lot of stuff to do a very favorable climate you know it's it's one of those places that just tons of people are moving there and the secret is out and you know there's a lot of issues coming about because of how you know quickly people are moving we're moving there but i i really did enjoy it it was a cool place to live did uh did you have any wild encounters out there i I don't know if i remember um hearing about or or uh reading about as many like crazy celebrity encounters or anything while you were there was there anything wild that like sticks out from your few years in portland not really no um, I, so for a, a, a little while, I, um, worked kind of indirectly with the Portland Trailblazers. I, um, did a camera for like the, these pre and post game shows they'd have after all their games. So, you know, I'd run into like athletes. Um, I guess my, <laughs> I literally almost ran like into Damian Lillard. My, so one of my jobs was, um, I was the guy that, you know, when players arrive at the arena for the game and, you know, they all have their their nice clothes on and they're getting off, getting out of their car or off the bus. And then you have that shot in the arena where they're 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 walking in and they're walking at the camera that I would get those shots. So the very first time I did it, um, uh, Damian Lillard was coming in, you know, like the star of the team. And I'm like you know, super, super excited. I'm getting the shot, getting the shot. And then I just like biff it. Um, there was like a, 
uh, a barrier, some sort of little fence or something that I was not looking for. Because obviously, you know, you're buried in your viewfinder. You you don't see what's behind you, but you should be like a little more aware of your surroundings. So I ran into that and I kind of fell like right in front of him. <laughs> and he's like, yes, are you good? You good, man? I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then he just kept going. But yeah. From that point on, I was a little more careful. Well, obviously, that was where, uh, I mean, you were living out there, I think, when your next big life step happened. So um, I want to hear about uh, about your engagement story. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, Amanda, um, uh, my girlfriend at the time and now wife, she uh, had a little kind of a more unconventional um, engagement. So she proposed to me. Um, we were we flew down to San Francisco and spent a few days there and then we went and we were going to camp down at Big Sur which is like one of the most beautiful places in the world if you haven't been you need to go they do experience a lot of like uh mudslides and stuff cuz it's right on the coast um so if you're ever thinking about going just look ahead to make sure like the roads are even open there just a, a travel tip for you but anyway um yeah, so we were at this like purple sand beach there and in a little cove and uh, she gave me a bag of saltwater taffy because I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of taffy and um, I'm digging in there and totally oblivious to the fact that there's like a big like jewelry bag like right in the middle. I'm just like, like I figured it was something of hers that she just put in there. Um, I'm picking around it and she's like, Oh, do you want to see what's in the, in the bag? I'm like, okay, sure. And then it was a ring and she asked me to marry her. And, uh, she, she was the one who made the ring. So she was working as a blacksmith at the time. So she made our engagement rings, um, and our wedding rings, uh, out of this, um, these railroad ties that we found at one of our uh, one of our favorite hikes around Oregon is this place called White River Falls, and it's this. There's this old like hydroelectric um, plant there, and you know there's like a little railroad going there. So there's a lot of little relics on the ground, and she took a rail tie and she made rings out of it, and uh, proposed right there. And it was, it was pretty badass. And I guess what sealed the whole deal was um, we had brought like some drinks um, and bottles to have. Um, there at the beach, which I know you're not supposed to bring glass, so I, I apologize to uh, Big Sur Park for that. But um, we forgot to bring a bottle opener, so I'm like, crap. I wish, you know, it was it was a time where I was w really into hard root beer, so I'm like, oh, I wanted some, you know, not your not your father's root beer or whatever it was. And she took my bottle and she found a rock and she just slammed the cap against the rock and opened busted up open the the cap for me and handed me and I'm like all right I'm I'm marrying the right lady you you live a very unconventional life and so I don't think that this would be the case at all but um did it did it bother you in any way that that she was the one who proposed as far as like just that being kind of the traditional man role no or not at all I I respect the hell out of her for that and she's a very independent like strong-willed woman and I that's one of the reasons I, I love her. And, um, you know, she, there's so many conventions like within marriage that don't really make 
sense to me like and it don't really make sense to her like at the end of the day like you know we we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with each other and and grow together and um however way you know you go about that really doesn't matter to me is at the end of the day it's all about you know just investing in somebody else and and sharing life together and and going through it all so she's the perfect person for me uh for that and uh we still we don't drive each other crazy um most of the time yet so it's so far so good and we've loved uh moving all across the country together and experiencing all that we can so yeah, we're here in Milwaukee now and she's working at the Milwaukee Art Museum and she's really in her element. She's a very creative person and she's hanging priceless pieces of art uh, every day. So it's really cool for her and I'm very happy and I'm glad that, you know, she's finally getting to kind of focus on her career too because segue uh, for a while, you know, she was living on the road with me uh, while I was kind of pursuing a unique career opportunity myself. While you were in Portland, uh, you stumbled onto your next job opportunity, I think through just an online, you know, like a Facebook message board or whatever, right? That, uh, that you found out about your next venture? Yeah, so when I was working, I was working at a TV news station in Portland and we did some stories riding along with local law enforcement. And for some reason, I just like, I really enjoyed it. Like just getting in the front of a cop car and just seeing what happens and reacting to it. Um, I think the one story that I really liked doing was this um, bike theft task force. Um, Portland's a huge cycling um, city, and as a result, there's a lot of uh, bike thefts. So they had a whole task force like committed to it, and I got to follow them around for a day and um, just see what they got into and then create a story based off of that. And I'm like, man, that was fun. I wonder if like cops is still on the air so i did a little research i found like their website and i found like an email address i'm like oh cool i'll just uh send them like my resume and just ask if they're like looking for uh camera operators so i got everything like lined up ready to go like i uploaded like my you know relevant work to like my website and stuff and i sent it away and then right away the email comes back this is not a valid email address so i'm like well there that answers my question the show is no longer on the air um but then so i just kind of like gave up on that and didn't think about it and then literally like maybe a month later like on some fa like the storytellers facebook group um which is you know a facebook group for a lot of people involved in uh like tv journalism uh there was a post from cops saying hey, we're about to shoot our 30th season. Uh, we're looking for camera operators. Do you have what it takes? You know, like one of those posts, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they, they actually are back on there. And it had obviously a different email address to send your resume and your reel. So I'm like, why not? I'm, I'll just see, you know, I didn't have really any high hopes about it. I'm like, just like, I gotta at least send them something, you know. But yeah, um, I sent stuff in, and then uh, a few weeks later, got had a had an interview, um, and then got hired, and was like, oh my gosh, like this is ha really happening. I uh, had to drop everything and uh, lived on the road for uh, 
four or five years. Explain how that system works as far as you kind of moving around from town to town as sure. far as when, while you're shooting. Yeah, so, um, you know, shoot a season at a time and um, you bounce around to either three or four, we call them venues in a season. Um, so different cities, but uh, you start off and you, you get sent somewhere. Uh, you're there for usually two months-ish. You get a week off um, and then you go somewhere else. And um, it's, it's a lot more informal than you would think. You, uh, I mean, they obviously line up, they have contracts with the departments, um, but you just kind of just show up to, they tell you what briefing to show up to on your first day, and then they just like pair you with uh, one or two law enforcement officers, and um, it's a camera operator and a sound, sound guy, so uh, just two people um, from a production standpoint, and then you just get in the cop car and you drive around and you just see what they get into and you get out on everything and just record everything and then you know a lot of it is just um trying to formulate a story in your head as things are unfolding and trying not to be too much in the way um but also like if if something's going on like um that the one thing i guess that threw me off the most is how close like so I did like a little training ride with North Las Vegas police and my boss, you know, he kind of, he was a ex a camera operator for the show and he gets out on it and he's like just a couple feet from everything that's happening, like with these giant news cameras. And I always figured, you know, it, it was a little more discreet than that, but no, like you're right in it. That's kind of like one of the hallmarks of the show is just being really immersed in it. And it's, like, it's not fake at all either. You're just, like, reacting to what happens and and trying to, you know, record enough, like, dialogue and get enough, like, quote-unquote plot points recorded to eventually hand it off to an editor that can turn it into, you know, a piece for the show. So it really, um, it really wasn't what I was uh, expecting. It was very like in your face type of stuff and can get intense at times. Um, but also it showed you how boring police work can be sometimes. A lot of it is just paperwork and sitting in the car. So it was a very eye-opening experience for sure. And, and so what cities were you in? I'll try and name them all off. I was in, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, Wichita, Kansas twice. Um, Fort Myers, Florida, uh, Ocala, Florida, twice, Tampa, Florida, um, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, um, Spokane, Washington, and uh, the Bay, Bay Area of California, um, and Las Vegas. And so through all this time that you were moving around, I mean, you kind of talked about how Amanda was following you th through all this. And so were you really, did you guys have a home base or were you really like packing up your possessions each time moving to this different location? Sure. Well, for the first two seasons of the show, I was alone. Uh, she stayed in Portland and kept working there. So she would come visit me as much as she could. And then um, one nice part about the show is you get like three months off in the winter. 
so I would just go back to Portland and um but then for yeah the the last two seasons I did of the show she we decided it's really not worth trying to make to do all this like long distance we really need to we like being around each other we want to be more around each other so she actually just quit her job and she came on the road with me for the last two seasons I did it but yeah that was literally sell everything we could um you know keep enough that will fit in our Subaru Forester and drive it across across the country I mean my first assignment going from Portland Oregon was Tampa Florida so we drove literally across the country from <laughs> our first assignment but that was honestly one of my favorite things about the whole experience was the travel and especially with traveling in, um, in our car we would make little road trips out of it and stay at all these places that we've never been to before so it was really cool experience especially the last year I did it um, 2020 um, this wasn't uh, on purpose at all but we really like outdoors going on hikes and seeing different parks and stuff we saw 20 national parks in 2020 um, just through our travels so it was it was really fun was there an element of, I mean, I, I know I heard one of the early things you did with cops is you had to get fitted for like a bulletproof vest. Um, I mean, was there an element of danger for a lot of it? Or I mean, just like a few times or, or a significant amount, not at all? It, it definitely, you know, makes you more aware of your surroundings. Um, and <clears throat> absolutely, there's an element of danger and you can't you can't take that for granted at all. They unfor unfortunately, before I started, there was a sound operator that was shot and killed um, while shooting the show. So they take it super seriously. We we would go through. I had to miss like one of my best friend's weddings because that was during cops training and like the safety training is like no questions like asked. You have to attend this, and so. Um, they would, you know, we'd get trained on like tourniquets and being able to be smart about where we would take cover um, or like conceal ourselves if we were in a situation um, where, you know, bullets were in the air, or, uh, you know, whatever dangerous instance could, could happen. So, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, like there's some things you just can't, con can't control, um, but you, you can at least prepare yourself in a way that if something does go down, you at least know, you know, how to give yourself the best chances of survival. And fortunately, I was never in anything super scary. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of the times where you'd get a call, you'd go to something and you'd just have a bad feeling about it. There were no, there's no judgment being like, you know, and sitting, sitting one out. A lot of um, the more hairy situations, too, like weren't conducive to uh, TV anyway. Um, I would have just been in the way of the officers, you know, doing their jobs. So um, the more the most serious calls, um, a lot of times I would just say, like, you concentrate on doing your job to the best of your ability and I'll stay out of the way. We'll just stay in the car. We're not, it's not it's not worth the risk. So. That was one thing I appreciated about the show, too, is, you know, at the end of the day, you can decide what you're going to get yourself into or not. So I, I played it pretty conservatively with that stuff. Yeah. 
And I, I don't know, I don't have a great like lead into this question because I, I don't feel like I ever heard like a ton of your actual stories from your time on COPS. So um, can, you, can you at least I, highlight a couple of like the most memorable encounters or experiences that you had during your time with the show? Yeah, I guess the times when I would like be thinking to myself while I was filming like, man, I'm, this is actually happening right now. This is so cool. Or, and it's what I always look forward when I watched the show growing up. It's what you'd look forward to is the people who would run and chase and running down, you know, like trying to catch up to, to, and I guess I wanted to spell like one misconception about it all. You, there was like a viral video going around of, and it's, it was really funny, but this guy running on a treadmill with the camera on his shoulder and you know, that cops, cops train training session. But actually, when you would run after somebody, you would put the camera down by your side because you'd, when you would run, you could keep the camera so much more smoother when it's down by your side than on your shoulder. Because if you try to run with the camera on your shoulder, it's, you're not going to have any usable footage. It's just going to be all bouncy. But it was a lot of fun running after people. Um, one funny story with that was uh, I was in Ocala, Florida, and... Um, there was this these group of people who were stealing cars and um, they had stolen a car earlier in the day so we had the description of the car and we're just driving down a, in a neighborhood and right in front of us goes this car and like I think that's the car so you know we get behind them and automatically they just take off and within blocks they um, they ran into like a dead end and you know like just kept the car rolling but from all sides, people ran out of the car. So it's like, all right, we'll just like start running in that direction. Hope we can find some people. And um, the cop I was with, he started getting a little winded uh, during the the foot chase. But I'm like, I'm just gonna keep going. You know, like I really want to get this in because we there was somebody we could see in the distance still running. So I'm like, adrenaline pumping. I catch up to him and I in my you know most intimidating Batman voice I'm like get on the ground get on the ground and they got on the ground and I catch up to him and I and my officer you know is is not too far behind me and then he hooks him up and I feel really you know cool like oh man I just stopped this bad bad guy from you know like running from the police and then I find out it's a a 14-year-old girl <laughs> that I I felt so cool about, you know, like, oh, man, I, I showed this person. They thought I was, you know, serious business, and, yeah. Um, but that's, that, made, that made the show. Um, so my, vo- my voice is in the show. And, and I don't know if I would have known that, that, like, you guys are allowed to kind of, like, uh, I don't know what you want to say, like interfere, or interact, or like you know, kind of step We're, in. No, not really. But <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't touch this person at all. All I did was yell, "Get on the ground!" You know, the same thing that the cop was probably saying. You know, like a hundred feet behind me. So, but yeah, like it's. That's that's one like line you have to be cognizant of because you know we're supposed to just be a fly on the wall observing what's going on um but you know sometimes you just especially when you haven't gotten a story in a while and like there's something happening right in front of you like i 
I didn't want that one to get away, so I, I, I had some words. But there have been guys in the past, yeah, that have, have been a little more physical than I was, and that's that's very frowned upon. I mean, when I think of cops, you know, most of what I've seen has been either like drug-related or you know, domestic disturbance type of thing. I mean, was that the majority of the stuff? As far as what you shot that got on the air. Was that the bulk of it, or <clears throat> what What other things do you have? Maybe anything unique that you yeah, saw? Yeah, like ac- action-packed stuff is becoming more and more, like, rare, I feel like, because, you know, there, there are a lot of, obviously, um, things that have happened in the law enforcement community, and there's different reforms that have happened to make sure that, you know, police are being re- responsible and the, that the public is being kept as safe as possible. So um, a lot of the stuff that I ended up getting, and that's honestly the stuff I like shooting the most, were just kind of like the slow burn type of stories or like the more ridiculous, funny things. Um, but a big, you know, cornerstone of the show is just like the initial interaction and then unraveling uh, a lie, you know, like somebody saying, I don't have anything in here. And then just, you know, the questioning and then all the evidence coming in. And then at the end, you know, then they eventually find, yeah, whatever it is, or the car search, you know, like that's, that's a very stereotypical cop segment, but we're trying to fill seven minutes of time per segment. So you need a ton of dialogue you need that interaction um, in a lot of those situations where somebody's lying or has some weird excuse for what they did. I mean, that's the stuff that creates interesting conversation and keeps people's attention also. So a lot of stuff I shot, one of, one of my favorite um, stories I shot was, it was a domestic disturbance in very rural Oh, I guess I didn't say I also worked in the Houston area of Texas. This was in the Houston area, but like north, way north of Houston, like um, out in the boonies. But there was a domestic disturbance going on. And fortunately, it wasn't, you know, a very serious thing. But when we showed up, it looked like it was a serious thing because both people had what appeared to be blood on, on themselves. And so obviously, uh, and it's a very rural area, very dark area. And so there's, we're just with like one cop out there and he's, um, you know, has his weapon drawn on this guy who's very, who's being very like combative and talking back a lot. Um, but eventually things get settled down and they, they get him into cuffs and they start looking closer at everybody and they're like, wait is that blood? And he's like, no, it's barbecue sauce. And lo and behold, like a bunch of the rest of the story is looking at different cuts on each person, deciphering whether it's blood or barbecue sauce. And like almost all of it was barbecue sauce. But then two, like some of the cuts, you know, what looked like cuts were like, look different than other ones. And they're like, well, what's going on here? And then he's like, oh, there were two different types of barbecue sauces. It was like the most Texas domestic disturbance ever. Like they were, they essentially were just throwing pieces of like barbecued meat at each other. And then I think maybe somebody pushed another person. So it was, I mean, there was like a crime happening um, or, you know, 
or he struck uh, the woman. But anyway, um, so I'm like, this is amazing. Like this is, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's not super serious, but it's very funny. And then the, um, you know, like the Holy grail of cops, uh, is, um, they found some, uh, meth in this guy's pocket and he said the magical lines, these aren't my pants. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, yep, we got it. And, um, but another like hurdle, I guess, with considering all of that is the fact that at the end of the day, we have to get releases from everybody. Like I, like those people on TV, they've signed a release saying they're, they're cool with it. So there is a lot of stuff that you get that's good that doesn't make the air, but you'd be surprised how many people are just like, even at like their like worst moments are just like excited to be on cops. And this guy, like he, you know, I had to go retrieve his glasses from his car so he could really read the release. And he looked really close at it. He looked up at me. He's like, is this for cops? And I said, uh, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'll sign. Like it's, it's become such an iconic like show that there's a lot of people that they just, they don't care. Like, and I'm, and I'm not going to judge them either if they like, obviously myself, if I was in a bad situation like that, I probably wouldn't want it to be on TV, but there's a lot of people out there that are cool with it. So that's, I think what's kind of kept the show going is that consent. And, you know, there are a lot of issues around all of that. It should, you know, um, should policing be like turned into entertainment and there are, yeah, there are a lot of ethical issues around the, around the show and things that you may wonder about. But at the end of the day, all these people are agreeing. They're literally signing a release to be on TV. So that's how kind of I justified it. Like, who am I to tell somebody that they, they can't like, this is their decision to make. So I'm not gonna, uh, obviously, yeah. In those situations, I'm going to, I really want them to sign the release because it's me doing my work. I want to put this on TV, but yeah, they, uh, they signed and it made the show. I'm curious with, with the amount of years that you worked with different police forces and I mean, you really did get to see all over the country from Washington to Florida, to the Midwest, to Texas. Um, what your opinion is on, uh, a cab, <laughs> you know, people who, who believe all cops are bad. Oh, um, you know, like I hadn't heard that expression before. Oh yeah. Like what your, what your take is on, on people who think that, or, um, I mean, I know that politically speaking, I mean, I think that you lean a little bit more toward the left. And so I don't know if you like would encounter people that would be more in line with that kind of thinking. And so, um, just, yeah, but you've obviously had a lot of closer encounters with police. I've, um, yeah, I really value, uh, the perspective I gained, um, working this show you see on a daily basis what law enforcement officers uh, deal with, the situations they put themselves in. Yeah, obviously they signed up for the job and they should know what they're getting themselves into, but that doesn't like excuse the fact that they're humans and that seeing like the ugliest parts of society are very depressing things on a daily basis. I mean that I, you know, I wasn't even, I'm just sitting for part of the day like 
in the front seat just observing what they're doing and it's still like sometimes would get to me um one of the reasons i i uh you know walked away from the show was just it's not it wasn't great for my mental health and i feel like there's um it's like any profession in my opinion where there's people that get into it for the right reasons and people that get into it for bad reason the or not right reasons and i feel um the the system is not setting up uh these people to do their jobs in the most just way possible um there's a lot of residual effects of of racism throughout history and that trickles into every part of society i believe and that includes law enforcement but i'd say most of the people that i interacted with um have good hearts have good intentions uh maybe they're just put in bad situations or put in a bad in a broken system um but i feel at the end of the day like these people like you know putting their lives in danger this deserve a lot of respect for what for what they do um it's a very there are a lot of people that appreciate them but you know for the most part it's not a job where you show up and people are happy to see you um there's a lot of hate spewed their way um just a lot of you know they're going into dramatic situations all the time and i feel like everybody has you we're all human we have to cope with that in some way and some people cope with that in healthy ways but a lot of people can't cope with cope with that and it turns into unfortunate situations so um it's like everything in life like there's especially now there's extreme opinions on both sides the truth lies in the middle there's there's truth there's truth to what both sides are saying but it's not black and white it's um there's i think the only th- ignorant thing to think is there aren't issues going on um you can't i don't think you can be blind to the fact that you know there are mistakes being made um but um you i mean i have there's a lot of people i met where i just like you have your heart is in the right place you really a lot of these people you know grew up in these communities that they police and they they get into it cuz they want to make their communities a better place and they really want, you know they they hurt for the people that have had unfortunate you know situations in life so i don't think that would you know they would fall under the the a cab as you say uh category but yeah it's it's a mix it's it's uh there's a wide array of different personalities and and backgrounds and um and i hope that you know we can keep striving towards figuring out like the best way to go about keeping communities safe did you get close enough with some of the officers that you work with that you're still in some sort of communication with them or you know just facebook friends or anything yeah that was one cool part about this um show too is there would be some places where um the the people there would really like consider us part of like their family They'd take us in like 
Um, I loved working in Lafayette, Louisiana. Like it was during Mardi Gras time and they'd have us sit over for crawfish boils and we'd go, you know, hang out with them. Like they really like took us in. There's some places where it's a little less like personal, but I mean, we're in a place for two months at a time. Like, I don't just want to sit around my hotel, you know, like it's, it's nice to be, get social, be social and get to know people on, you know, like a, away from work uh, basis. So uh, we do a lot of that. And also I would take advantage of every weekend. I'd, I'd get to do some sort of like day trip or find out where the cool places were around town or, you know, fun hikes to do in the area. Yeah, I, I just wondered if that was, again, hard for you to see in 2020 with, like, everything happening with the BLM movement um, with so many people. I mean, I would venture to say maybe the time in American history where people were the most anti-cop, anti-police, um, if that was just hard for you to see, I'm sure a lot of, like, friends of yours that were, you know, going through a lot of, like, just difficulty in, in their professional life where they were having a lot of um, negativity uh, pointed at them. Yeah, it was very emotionally draining, like, and um, I think one good thing that came about all of it is people started having s serious conversations about that sort of stuff, and you would have serious conversations, you know, in, a, in the cop car, and, um, you know, whether, whether you are on one side or the other, um, I think there was a lot of good that came of that time because it just got got people thinking more about all that stuff you know a lot of it had just been swept under the rug or um, really not talked about but I'm at least glad that I was able to you know have some honest conversations with people and um, you know it was just like you're like thinking about that but also like you're in the midst of a pandemic and we're literally like going into people's houses and like going on traffic stops and or around a lot of people and I don't know how maybe I was I got it and I was asymptomatic but I have still yet you know knock on wood I've still yet to get COVID so it was just a lot going on uh, in my head at that time but um, like I said earlier I was still working I still had a had a paycheck coming in so and I was still able to travel around the country and even though I couldn't even go to the beach in Florida, at least, you know, I was in, I was in Florida. I was around, um, my wife and my sound guy and, um, we were able to find ways to entertain ourselves in our off time. So I still, I still think it was a, uh, a very fun time in my life. You mentioned some of the reasons why you, why you, uh, you know, walked away or left. And, and I mean, it sounds like it was a lot for both, you know, mental health and, Maybe part of that was was settling down you and Amanda. I mean, was that a big part of it? Yeah, yeah I, just wanted I wanted to be, to be fair to her because she's a very talented person and has a lot to offer the world. And you know, it was fun like being on the road with her. But I we agreed that it would be a, nice to eventually settle down um, somewhere, and um, at least for a little bit, and uh, see where her career goes and. Um, all of our families from the Midwest. So we were thinking, okay, let's, let's find somewhere in the Midwest. And, uh, we ended up in Wisconsin and we love it here. I'm a, I'm a cheesehead by birth. Like I've always been a Packers fan. I've always loved cheese. Um, I'm very German. So I just kind of feel like I'm in, I'm in my homeland right now. Um, but also w 
during 2020, um, the show was actually like canceled by Paramount Network. Um, however, they were still contract. We were still contractually obligated to give them fulfill like the contract of the season of work. Uh, so we still like recorded stuff and put together episodes like the show was still going on, even though, you know, it was never going to see the light of day, at least on Paramount network. Um, but, and then there was like a very long amount of time where we didn't know what the future of the show was going to be. So I kind of took that as my segue to just start looking for other jobs and then uh, myself and I ended up finding um, you know a job that I liked in Madison and now I can still do it while I'm in Milwaukee I'm not too far away now so it just ended up being like kind of timing out and playing out in a way where it was just a natural transition to get out of the show but yeah I it wasn't something I was planning to do the rest of my life it just um, it's just a very yeah, emotionally tolling job and especially you know if we eventually have a family um it's not something you know you want to be on the road nine months of the year and try and raise a family as well so it was good for like that season of life that we were in and we loved like almost everything about it but uh now we're kind of in the right place for this part of our lives so i'm glad that it that it you know its course has sailed but I'll always look back and appreciate that time and everything I learned from it and all the people I met and all the situations I was in and all the traveling I got to do. It was, it was an amazing four or five years. And what is it you're doing now? I mean, explain that a little bit. Something with advertising or something it sounds yep. like? I work for an ad agency based out of um, Madison, Wisconsin, and we have a wide array of local, regional, and national clients. Um, the biggest name is Colligan Water, so I'm doing a lot of Colligan Water commercials and uh, a lot of videos for a bunch of different uh, businesses, uh, wide wide variety, even like Habitat for Humanity stuff. So there's a good mix of, of stuff I get to do and it's nice uh, showing up to a, you know, to a shoot with my camera and people actually happy to see me. Uh, that wasn't really the case very much with uh, the cop show. I get a chance to talk to a lot of people about, um, or I tell a lot of people I feel like about, about you and some of the interesting things you've done, jobs you've worked, the Obama story, that kind of thing. Do you, do you, in your own mind, get the notion that your your life is somewhat unique, or you've lived kind of an interesting life compared to most people, or do you feel like you have kind of an average life? Oh no, I definitely recognize I've had very unique opportunities in my life, and I am very thankful for that all the time, and I. At the same time, you know, there's that mental struggle, like, I don't want to just hang my hat on things that have happened to me in the past. I still want to strive to, you know, put myself out there every day and try and get into more unique, exciting things. Um, you know, the older you get, the more kind of closed-minded you get about sort of stuff like that. So I'm always trying to, like, spice things up um, in my life. So, yeah, moving so much recently and that that obviously there's a lot of excitement in that but um if we end up staying in Milwaukee long term you know I want to I want to get involved in a lot of things here and and you know if I just keep putting myself out there hopefully you know another unique opportunity will present itself 
Yeah, yeah, that was kind of my next question was to ask about how how that happens or how a person can be more like that because I, I really think you are somebody that, um, in my observation, you're somebody that people are very much drawn to, um, whether it's your friends or even strangers. I feel like people um, have always kind of gravitated towards you or kind of want, they, they see something in you that they want to be around. Um, is there something that you that you do or you feel like you intentionally do with your personality that that allows you to have kind of that that nature that characteristic i guess i'm a very optimistic person i try and look for the good in everything and i think with there's a lot of negativity you know i'm almost i'm probably optimistic to a fault like i'm and that was one thing i struggled with the show is i was trusting every everything somebody said you know, and believed everything everybody said, but, you know, at the end of the day, most of people were, like, lying to the police, but, um, anyway, I think just remaining positive, especially now, there's so many things that can, like, get you down, and, uh, if I'm brutally honest, like, they get me down too, but just trying to find the silver lining and everything, I feel like is, is important, just, if anything, for your mental health, I mean, don't blind yourself to, the issues of the world, but try and find the good in everything. That's something that has really been a driving force in my life. And also, I've just been trying to make, especially after COVID, when we people just kind of shut down and um, we're like shut away in their own little worlds, I'm trying to make more conscious efforts to be social and to meet people and to, you know, go do things. Um, it's really easy. I bought a 70-inch TV and it's really easy every night just to be distracted and just like oh, I'm just gonna watch a movie tonight, which I do a lot of. I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat that at all. But uh, just putting yourself out there, meeting people, and just being open to, like, you know, saying yes to maybe something that regularly would make you feel a little uncomfortable. Um, just, just giving in a try and seeing what happens. Just uh, you know, being more more open-minded and optimistic is, I guess, my biggest piece of advice. I was kind of curious, you know, you mentioned that you, uh, in your in your faith journey, you know, that you you got into a little bit more Christianity and Catholicism in, in you know, late high school and college, and um, that that hasn't been as much a, a part of your life in recent years. Is, is there a reason why you feel like it's, you know, uh, I don't know if you want to say like ebbed and flowed or that that isn't a big part of your life now. Is there a reason for that? Or, or I guess uh, has it just kind for of me, out of favor for you? Um, at the end of the day, I want to be as genuine as I possibly can. And f like, f how should I put this? Like I, I am not close to the idea of like supernatural things. I think there are a lot of things out there that we can't explain. Um, but at the end of the day, like when I really am like honest with myself and I, there's just a lot of faith related things that I just, that don't seem real to me. Um, I, you know, psychologically I know like there's the there's a fear of death. Um, there's a fear of there not being any purpose to anything in life, and I have that fear too. And I'm, and for a while, I, how I coped with, you know, the human condition was attaching it to faith. And um, I would say now, I mean, I'm not 
totally closed to anything faith related but if i like really look myself in the mirror and ask myself those questions um i just don't know like so i have a lot of respect for people who base their life off of you know whatever faith-based teachings because honestly and i went i was in a church uh, a few days ago and and heard a, a sermon and i'm like just thinking like, man, there are so many good lessons in here and like things to take to like lead your life. But there are so, in my opinion, a lot of things that um, can be lead to like destructive thinking. I feel it's just all like up to the individual person, how they, they take it. And then there's some like kind of ultimate truths that some religions claim that I just, I'm like, I, I can't wrap my head around like this being the ultimate answer. So in a way, I'm just, I guess I'm just, I'm open to things. But if I really level with myself at this point, you know, I, I would say I'm, I'm not, you know, a, a Christian um, by the, you know, conventional uh, definition of it. But I'm not the type of person either that like hates on people for like having, uh, you know, a, a deity like um, mold their their worldviews as long as it's really not like super harmful to other people around them. If it's if it's rooted in love, it can't be bad. So I um, I have I still like hold no grudges against any of that stuff it's just if I'm honest with myself it's just not kind of where I where I'm at now in life was there anything that um that that led to that change in you I mean I I know that since 2016 I'll put it that way there's been a lot of uh, people that have maybe walked away or questioned things when it comes to uh the church especially with the relation to politics and and the social scene um is that the same with you or did that change in you happen no before that? I think Maybe I had like bad roots, maybe in like and bad intentions in why I was like pursuing like a Christian life. Um, for me, it was it was almost purely social. Like people I got along with, they were involved in in church related things, and I went and I f- feel really good about myself. I'd feel a great sense of community. Like I was like legitimately moved by it all, and I formed a really tight group of friends and we could talk about anything with each other. Like I don't regret any of that stuff. It was amazing. But then when you don't have that like community anymore, then I kind of saw it for what, for maybe the, the real deep reasons why I was involved in it. It was that yearning to belong uh, with like-minded people. And I know that Amanda, I believe she too was raised Catholic um is this something that you two have uh walked through together is she more close with the, any sort of faith belief or farther or i don't know if that's something that I you think guys if, have kind of gone through if together. you asked her she still has like a, a belief in some sort of god i don't think it is you know strictly by the bible's definition or any other you know holy books definition of it but she's she does um, I have some sort of 
a belief in a way and and for me I'm not that much different I feel like there that's that's definitely a possible like a possibility I just don't know for sure and I feel like with something like that you know it, it is called faith for a reason I guess but uh from what I have now it's just not something that's like super rooted in my in my heart has it been a challenge on any relationships that you have either with like family members, I mean, being kind of from a Catholic background or from any of your close friends. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not in super close touch with a lot of the guys that you were buddies with in college, but we knew each other well back then. I know a lot of them were part of the church, so I don't know if that's been at all difficult on any of those relationships either. No, that's one thing I love about the people in my life. I feel like, um, and, and one thing that, you know, like the Christian scene gets a bad rap for is being judgmental to other people, but I have not felt any sort of judgment um, from uh, differing viewpoints from people. Like I, I feel just as accepted. Maybe I can't relate to some of my friends in ways I used to be able to relate to them, but it hasn't put any sort of strain on any relationships in my life, which is just a testament to the awesome people that I've been, you know, lucky enough to to come across in my 35 years on this earth. Well, I'll, I suppose I'll get this wrapped up and we can move on with our days. Um, but uh, I, again, I do really appreciate you uh, letting me let me chat with you for a while. Um, I always kind of like to end end my podcast with uh, with some words of, of of glowing praise towards the person I've been talking to. So um, I I want to pass along to you just how much I've enjoyed you know being your friend over the years, and we've known each other for you know maybe about fifteen years now, and it's always been been an adventure we were I mean we've worked side by side and that was always a lot of fun and uh, it's just been great to have have you as a friend over all these years both to have a you know an a, a front row seat to some of the wild things that you've had a chance to experience but uh, you're just a very as much as you get attention for being kind of a, a wacky guy you're you're just a very good and loyal friend and very kind to everybody you come across and so I always uh, respect you just for being a, a good genuine person who who treats everybody well that you that you come in contact with thanks Owen I wish I could just jump through this computer screen here and give you a nice big hug but maybe you should come up to Milwaukee and then we can we can hug then yeah, yeah, I'd love to see you guys soon, and uh, uh, let me know if you're going to be in Iowa anytime soon, but I'll make sure I'll try to come and visit you guys before too long, okay? Sounds great, man. Thanks for uh, catching up. It was good to talk to you all. Well, thank you for just listening, you know, to me talk for a while, but you had some great questions. I feel like you did your, you did some good research on my life. You even brought up things I can't even remember, so Oh, man, well I was done. trying, and I'm sure there's a lot of good stories along the way that we didn't touch on, but um, I did my best. Well, thanks again, and it was good good seeing you. Yeah, take care, Tim. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Later, O-Dog. So that was Tim. Um, we went a little bit all over the place with our conversation. There wasn't really any sort of one narrow through line that I was aiming for with our conversation together. I knew that we'd be just hitting on a lot of different topics just because of the, the nature that his his life has led him. Um, there's just not any one path that I could have really gone with, so I just knew that we'd be jumping around to a lot of different topics, and, and that's kind of the way that this particular episode of the podcast worked. Um, we just had a lot of different conversations to cover, and so we got into a lot of that and didn't even cover some of the things that I, I thought we'd cover. You know, he's Tim really is a huge music buff and knows a lot about music, but we didn't really talk too much about that, and um, I didn't envision us really getting into anything religious, but... Um, it was interesting to hear some of his, his 
thoughts on you know where he has where he's at in his his faith life right now. So um, I'm glad we at least got the conversation in, and I had a chance to put this together because his his life is really one that's been interesting enough that it does kind of need to be um, stored in one place and uh, and cataloged in one area. So. I'm glad we could do that, and I don't know, he's he's a guy that lives such an interesting life that maybe in 10 years I'll need to talk to him again because of some interesting encounters or excursions that he's gone on. So thanks for listening, and again, uh, feel free to submit any, any uh, requests or anybody that you think would be a good addition to the podcast, and I appreciate you listening.